You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? This week, you get to meet author and cyclist Patty Baker, who has written many books and blogs, including the book Traveling at the Speed of Bike. She also has a great blog by the same name. Well, a few months ago, after getting hit by a vehicle while riding her bike, she created the You Go Girl series, where each day in August... She blogged about an inspiring woman who makes it welcoming to ride bikes. I really enjoyed talking with Patty and hope you do as well. Enjoy. Well, on the podcast this week, we have Patty Baker. Hey, Patty, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great, Kathy. How are you? Good. Well, we are recording this um, in the midst of... I guess 2020 hasn't been the best year, but kind of trying to figure out election results for the president of the United States and pandemic still going on. So uh, hopefully when listeners, if they listen to this years from now, they won't feel the stress in our lives. Yeah. I mean, how, how have you been doing with all of this? It's been a little bit of a crazy time. Yeah, definitely crazy. I've been trying really hard to avoid media, social media, TV, even conversations with friends because it, you know, it's just such a tense time. You don't want to say the wrong thing and, you know, turn a friendship into a battle of politics. Yeah, I know. I mean, on the other hand, there's so much to learn from each other. So I've, yeah. I'm actually really grateful for some of the, you know, some of those conversations, sure. you know, even when we when we fall into them a little unexpectedly. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a really eye opening year on so many on so many fronts. That's for sure. I'm grateful to be here to talk with you. Good. Yeah. You know, obviously, this is a podcast about cycling. So I have all kinds of great questions. And um, we were talking before we pushed record. And we have quite a few things in common, um, which I think we're going to talk about today, like being an LCI, which is a league certified instructor for cycling. And we also have both been hit by cars while we're on our bike. So uh, I'm sure we'll get into all of that. But why don't you start out by telling the listeners where you live and what cycling is like there, like what the culture's like? Okay, well, I am in metro Atlanta. Mm. I've lived here for about 30 years. And I came down to work with Turner Broadcasting. I came down from New York 30 years ago um, and just, you know, really um, fell in love with it for lots of different reasons. Mm -hmm. But especially in the last, um, I'd say last seven years or so, seven, eight years um, since um, there's been a real concerted effort um, in Atlanta first, but then um, with a ripple effect throughout the metro Atlanta region uh, to provide better opportunities for bike riding Mm -hmm. um, and more access for all. So um, that's been uh, really, really wonderful to see. It was, you know, surprising to me how difficult it was to ride a bike when I first came down here. So as a matter of fact, um, I I moved down when my husband and I, when we just got married and he gave me a a bike for our wedding. After about a year of riding it here, I put it up in my attic because it was just so incredibly dangerous and difficult. Mm. And it was up there for over 20 years. Wow. I took that bike down, you know, whatever it was, maybe seven years ago or so now, you know, that 
has been pretty life-changing. Yeah. I have interviewed um, a couple of women for this podcast who are from or at least live in Atlanta. And man, they got me putting Atlanta, Georgia on my bucket list of places to come ride. Yeah, it's really terrific. I I love it. It's beautiful. Um, The weather is, you know, I I ride year round. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hilly. It gets hot in the summer. You know, it has the largest percentage of tree canopy of any urban center, Mm. um, which is wonderful. And there's a lot of free fruit trees. The public art is probably my favorite aspect Mm -hmm. of riding my bike in Atlanta. So I love it. I love taking people out riding bikes here. They're always surprised because the you know, especially if you only have the image of Atlanta right. as, you know, from conventions or um, the Olympics or something like that. Um, and just really, really interesting, diverse uh, folks um, here doing a lot of exciting things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty major uh, city, but you can bike the whole perimeter, can't you, on bike trails? Perimeter by that. Are you thinking of the Atlanta Beltline or are you yeah. thinking of... Yeah, well, the Atlanta Beltline is a um, 22-mile loop that oh. runs two miles from the center of downtown. Oh, nice. And it, okay. goes, it goes through about 45 neighborhoods. It connects 45 different neighborhoods. Um, so, yeah, that's not complete yet, but it's well on its way. Mm-hmm. However, it, like I said, the ripple effect of that is that, you know, every other municipality that butts up against Atlanta and throughout other parts of Atlanta, you know, is working to try to connect to that 22 mile loop. Mm, so nice. um, it's been this huge impetus for um, accelerated, um, you know, infrastructure development. So mm-hmm. yeah, the perimeter, when you say the perimeter here, we actually have a highway called the perimeter highway. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, per, and um, is, it's, I think one, I think there's 78 miles on that. Um, and that is a kind of a big circle around Atlanta. I think one mile has <laughs> bike has has, a, has actually a, a quite wonderful um, bike you know bike path right next to it. But it's it's one mile. It's a start. Yeah. And I'm hanging my I'm hanging my hopes on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think um, now is a good time to bring up um, since we started talking to each other. Um, you have become the first Metro Atlanta bike mayor. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's with an organization that just happened a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and it's an organization, a, a social enterprise in Amsterdam named Bikes, B-Y-C-S, that has spearheaded over the last number of years a bicycle mare network around the world, and I think I'm the 105th bicycle mare and the fifth in the United States. Mm. Uh, I am representing the Metro Atlanta 10-county region. I'm going to try to try hard to shine a light on that diversity of experience mm-hmm. and, um, you know, hopefully um, really help folks to see what's possible yeah. uh, by sharing what's happening in the other counties and other cities. I mean, we're in a lot of ways pretty siloed. Um, and I want to build some bridges between that. Uh, that's awesome. And just little things. I'm thinking of my community specifically where a new bike trail will pop up and, you know, everyone's excited. And then I ride it and it just ends like at the weirdest place. You know, you're in the middle right. of traffic and you're like, what the heck? And that right. would be the perfect opportunity if there was a bike mayor that I could communicate with that person and say, 
what the heck happened here? And, you know, in that specific situation, I was able to, after, you know, countless emails to find out there really is a plan, you know, once the, the actual street is going to be repaved, then the trail will continue. And so then to be able to speak out and say, you know, stop looking at the negative side of it, this is the start of something bigger. Right, right, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of times, and keep in mind, a lot of cities are hiring well-paid engineers who Mm -hmm. work to actually oversee the building of the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. That's not the role of the bike mayors in in this network. But but if you're lucky enough to have that person on staff, you know, in your city or county, um, you know, it's definitely... Uh, and, and they definitely need the feedback because I mean, we've, you know, we have public works folks who are continuing to put in bike lanes that don't meet um, what's called NACTO guidelines, mm. which is the National Association of City Traffic Officials, or I think that's what, what the acronym stands for. Um, and these guide, they have, there are specific guidelines for speed and volume of motor vehicle traffic that, um, you know, I think there are a lot of cities that are excited to apply for bicycle friendly community designation from mm-hmm. the league of american bicyclists mm-hmm. and so they're throwing paint on the street that does not provide safe access for all or um, appropriate protection for the speed and volume of motor vehicle traffic and claiming that to be a success story and um, that's something that really needs to be called out mm-hmm. and 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 um you know the problem being of course it's not like they go back and revisit it and then make it accessible. They consider it done, completed, and a success story, and then they move on. Mm-hmm. So um, that's concerning to me. It's like the second, as you just, the, the example you just gave, Kathy, is a perfect example that when you ride it, you see what the problems are. Right. These are not hard to <laughs> hard to understand problems. It's right. just very few, very few people are actually riding. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and especially people, you know, perhaps who are making decisions are are not actually road testing it. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes it comes down to, you know, they had the funding to get it done at that time, and in ten years it will all be beautiful and match up. But for now, you know, it's kind of one of those catch twenty twos. Like, well, if they have the money and the funding and the people to do it, let's get it done. Versus, you know, let's put the money somewhere else, and this trail will never exist. So it's kind of a weird situation right yeah yeah I mean I have a lot of mixed feelings about it Mm -hmm. because I mean you you do hear a lot of those excuses and you know those kinds of compromises can put lives on the line you know and they also are exclusive exclusionary to you know they're centering just one type of person who Mm -hmm. rides a bicycle that's not helping us to realize our our potential right um as a as a alternative means of, of transportation you know not just recreation right so speaking of, you know, just using the bicycle as transportation or recreation, I'm not sure if you were recreating or transporting yourself when you were hit by a car, but you survived because we're still we're here today talking, which is great. Right. But I'm I'm assuming, you know, like when the uh, I was hit by a car, it definitely changed the way that I get on my bike and the way that I act and I think. And I'm just wondering if you could kind of give us some highlights of what happened to you and if it changed you. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm so sorry that you had that experience also. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the the unfortunate part is really most people who ride with any regularity, I, I would almost say 
everyone who rides with regularity has had close calls mm-hmm. and, and many people have been hit. Um, so, luck, you know, I guess, knock on wood, I was lucky to make it so long without being hit. But the day I was, that was in July, I was actually riding my bike home. I was within a mile of my house in a, you know, quote unquote, family friendly suburb city in metro Atlanta. And um, I was actually just riding my home, my bike home from local school where I had stopped to film a little video. I had been asked by the statewide bike advocacy group, Georgia Bikes, and one of my city counselors um, if I would videotape something um, for a um, driver education video they were compiling Mm. to give some tips to drivers how not to hit bike riders. (laughs) So um, How ironic. I, and I know it was like it was literally within five minutes. And the kind of haunting part to me was that the very, very last thing that my daughters and my husband would have seen on my phone was this video of me saying, mm. we're all just trying to do the same thing. We're all just trying to get home. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I was riding home on a residential road and um, woman driving a 4,600 pound SUV mm. um, hit me. She honked and then hit me immediately. She hit my bike. She hit me and she kept going. She was a hit and run. Oh, um, wow. Luckily, I know. Luckily, I had my body camera on mm. and it was running. Um, I called paramedics. I had w- witnesses came um and you said about being an LCI, um, you know, we do so much hazard avoidance uh, techniques and training mm-hmm. that uh, it's miraculously I did not go down. Mm. And that was the part that saved my life. Mm-hmm. So so we, I did have witnesses and paramedics and the police and she was cited for three different offenses. And the interesting one, well, it was, you know, the leaving the scene. The three feet to pass violation statewide. We have a statewide law. Um, but two months earlier, my city um, had become the first city in the southeastern United States that adopted a vulnerable road user ordinance. Mm. And that provides additional prosecutorial options um, when the three feet to pass um, state law is violated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plus other things. So, so we did have that on my, on my body camera and the police officer was able to identify, um, her and, um, and cite her with those, you know, with those. So I'm kind of still in the middle of that. Um, but you know, even though I ended up after about, I guess about six weeks, I had physical therapy and this and that, I had some, some minor injuries. I feel a very big responsibility to make sure that as a precedent case that we're not allowing people to hit human beings with three-ton vehicles mm-hmm. and and continue going and, and not have a consequence. So, um, you know, I do feel a responsibility. As a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, um, a 12-year-old girl in my, in my city was hit by, by somebody driving a motor vehicle while she was on bicycle. From what I understand, she ended up not reporting it mm. and she did not, she did, she got knocked off her bike, but she was okay. I'm concerned, you know, like everybody is everywhere about mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure that we're sending the right message about how easy it is for people's lives to be discounted, you mm-hmm. know, when we're, when we're riding our bikes. So 
how about with you when when you were hit and what ended up happening afterwards yeah it was definitely life-changing for me and as I was you know I got hit in an intersection and the first thing the driver said to me when I was laying on the pavement was that he didn't see me because he was on his phone and that was just like oh my gosh, I don't even know how to reply to that. Like this driver did stop and he was uh, extremely remorseful. I mean, he, he didn't hit me on purpose, but he was definitely should be driving instead of, you know, checking out his phone. And I had a little bit of recovery. I didn't have any broken bones, thank goodness. But getting back on my bike that first time was really, really hard. And I still am not as comfortable as I used to be to be on roads sharing with cars. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's definitely, um, you know, I got right back on and I've been riding pretty much every day since then. But mm-hmm. I have made some route changes. I feel the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel definitely a little jumpy. And I mean, folks may not know, but from what I understand, um, studies show that, you know, women are passed up to four times more often illegally than men. There was a study out of Minneapolis that supported that. Mm. And also, we tend to be harassed more often in public space. One of the reasons being that women tend to ride bikes more slowly. So Mm. when we are sharing space, that can tend to inconvenience people Mm -hmm. in a different way. So yeah, so I I have I pick and choose. Um, you know, I, I really love riding in the city of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more preferable to me than than riding out in the suburbs. But um, you know, I don't know. I am continuing to be hopeful, and I'm trying to center joy yeah. as much as I can. Yeah. And that was the thing. That was the thing that was easy to lose right afterwards. To feel like, oh my gosh, you know, why am I even doing this? Right. Um, but the joy of riding is so great. And the benefits that we get from it, the health benefits, mental and physical, the connections with community, the, you know, the access, the, the places it takes us, the people we meet, there, there's just, it is so great and, and so um, important, especially a year, in a year like this. I mean, are you, mm-hmm. are you finding that you're, you're really relying on, on bike riding in, in a way that's been kind of critical this year. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a whole new understanding of riding my bike solo and I have really grown to love it to be able to just, it's just me and the farm fields and the cows and, you know, whatever I am passing by. So yeah, I definitely enjoy the bike rides a little bit differently than before uh, COVID entered our world. Right. Yeah, see, I mean, I'm kind of, I, we obviously live somewhere very different because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have those fields and cows. But um, for me, it's it's actually connecting me with people more mm. as opposed to being alone more because it's a way that I can wave and say hello yeah. and, and chat with people, um, you know, socially, naturally, socially distanced. I'm mostly riding by myself, but I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm connected to mm-hmm. community, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. And I'm so grateful, you know, to be able to ride the bike to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, the big thing that I did after the bike riding that saved me was, you know, I did the series called the You Go Girl series oh, yeah, I on get my that. blog. Yeah, well, um, 
I was, you know, maybe you felt this way too after you were hit. Like I was kind of turning inward a little bit, you know, feeling I was carrying this little burden of feeling violated and, you know, unsure about what I wanted to do really moving forward. Mm-hmm. And and I decided I'm a writer and I've been blogging for a really long time. So I decided that I wanted to kind of reach out and shine a light on some other folks. Mm-hmm. And I focused on women across the United States who were making the USA more welcoming for bike riding. Mm. That was it. That was my criteria. Like, who's making it more welcoming? Who's out there just whatever they're doing, the, the wide variety of things that people are doing. And I decided to focus on women because I just really wanted to, you know, feel connected to that kind of power. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I kind of found myself, um, you know, talking to some really amazing and interesting people. I mean, everyone from a neighbor, you know, to the new CEO of People for Bikes to the head of education for uh, League of American Bicyclists mm. to another bike mayor um, in New York City to uh, folks who are running um, bike-related companies and um, other people who are, you know, advocates for various things around the country. Just really, really wide group of of women, you know, doing some really great things. And and I really loved that. I really mm-hmm. loved um, being able to focus on positive stories, you know, like that. And there are some great stories in there. I think you did one a day, right, for a whole month? Yeah, I did one a day for the, the entire month of August. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, although, to be fair, to be honest, um, there was about... 10 days in the middle where I um, highlighted 10 different books um, about bikes that I had read. I read every oh, single sure. one of yeah. them, yeah. Um, but it did give me a little interview break you know? <laughs> so, so I could catch up on some of the stories. But yeah. yeah, I mean, to be able to talk to people, I mean, like, like talking with you as well, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to talk with people and just hear their stories mm-hmm. and, so this You Go Girl series, um, you did it, you know, 31 days, 31 women and um, right. authors as well. Any plans to continue that? Yeah, well, I think the, the outcome for that for me was um, kind of a reminder that I love shining the light on other folks. Mm. And I like hearing people's stories and having a bigger picture of what's actually possible. Yeah. As a result of that, Um, especially, you know, doing the People for Bikes interview with Jen Dice, um, I became, they asked me to be an ambassador, a People for Bikes ambassador. Mm -hmm. And what was fun about that, and I should tell you, my motto is trust the journey. Nice. So this whole thing has been a journey. Mm -hmm. And I know that. And it's like, okay, well, I'll just kind of, this feels like the next right thing and kind of just keep doing the next right thing. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of being, uh, becoming an ambassador, I was planning, uh, I'm creating these routes that I post on their app, which is called Ride Spot. And um, that all of the routes, I'm posting, I'm trying to target um, someone who is maybe new to bike riding or newly back to bike riding or, you know, is is really kind of a two to six mile, not too hilly uh, bike rider. There's not a lot of resources for that kind of person. There's not a lot of rides or routes or, you know, um, opportunities to um, be part of really the bike community, so mm-hmm. to speak. So I've decided to make that my target. And so the so the routes have been a lot of fun. And they've been all over Metro Atlanta. And, you know, they often have art involved because that's, you know, very much my passion. So 
as a result of doing these, one of the women I ended up meeting is a woman who was um, the, the person behind um, a neighboring city's kind of model mile on one of these new paths that are being built that will eventually connect to the Atlanta Beltline that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And we ended up meeting at, at, a, at the Georgia Bike Summit, which was online this year, and completely coincidentally um, and unexpectedly, she was connected to um, some families out in Clarkston, Georgia, which I had done another, a separate tour at, and um, that's the largest refugee population, the largest, the most diverse square mile in the United States. Oh, okay. um, It's a large refugee resettlement area, and she ended up connecting me with some girls there who needed to learn some bike skills so that they could get to school. And so I've been teaching out there every week and really, really enjoying that. And the, you know, again, the trust the journey sort of irony in all of this is that I was supposed to leave for the Peace Corps back in June. And um, that was delayed because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I was supposed to go to Uganda. And the people that I'm working with had been in a refugee camp in Uganda mm. from a neighboring um, country and then had come here and we all ended up crossing paths and I was able to connect with them honestly as a result of that bike crash wow. <laughs> so so you know it's kind of I you know you have to kind of lean into just trusting the journey yeah. and that and that everything's sort of leading you in a way where you're supposed to be. Right. And is so, the, is the um, trip, did you say it was delayed or is it canceled? It's I'm delayed till at least next fall. Uh, okay. Wow. That's like uh, everything was aligned for you to be able to meet all of those people. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if anything is ever really aligned, but um, it's, it's, it's all out there mm-hmm. in our paths. It's just kind of what we're choosing to recognize as sort of the next right thing and how well maybe we, you know, we know ourselves and what feels right. Mm-hmm. A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any indoor or outdoor event. Check out more at thirstypigs.com. Now back to the show. So to back up a couple steps, what made you decide to get into teaching cycling? That's that story's in my book. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, actually had applied for a job in a nearby city for um, they were looking for people to teach seniors on tricycles as well as an earn a bike class for some kids and some bike rodeos for kids Mm -hmm. and they were they were looking to hire two people and they were going to put those two people through the league training program oh nice okay so yeah so I mean I was already you know I was actually already working on my book my book is named traveling at the speed of bike I was already blogging under that name and everything and it again it just felt like the next right thing I Mm -hmm. said you know this looks interesting Mm -hmm. this looks like something 
um, I think I could be helpful. And then the the training, you know, I there was just a lot of stuff I didn't know. And mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought it was challenging. And that final test when you're when you're leading the other people and you're you're you know, they throw you out in the middle of the worst possible scenario. <laughs> I, I still get a little shaky when I go by that that that's, that intersection. It was in a really, really busy part of, of Atlanta um, at like sunset oh, on geez. like a Saturday night, which was a, like a really busy time. It was a very, um, you know, kind of, you know, going out. Mm-hmm. heavy sort of place and it was um it was really nerve-wracking but it was you know it's a really great experience mm-hmm. I, I i love doing it. i really recommend it mm-hmm. and and you know what i've spoken a number of the the you go girl women are lcis as well and they all have such different stories mm. and really interesting some are very funny and um you know how they came about you know doing this and and why and what their experience was like mm-hmm. you were laughing about your final test, you know, in crazy Atlanta. <laughs> well, mine was in downtown Chicago. And oh, same sen- scenario. It was like, <laughs> you know, s- sunset and busy and uh, raining. And oh, it was man. super cold. And so it, was, so it was the same sort of deal where you're like, Oh, my God, did I just live through that? I and know. my students as well. But I, I really enjoyed the experience. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Well, I'm interested, um, you know, not only are you a cyclist and an author and a teacher, and I think you mentioned you're into art as well, but you have written several books, and I'm interested to know more about the book called Traveling at the Speed of Bike. Yeah, that that is um, the book. I also have the blog is the same name, and it is, um, I, my, my tagline for it is, it's a memoir, it's a movement. Mm. And because, you know, it is my story, but it's really more the story of a woman at a crossroads in a country at a crossroads. And um, I think there's a lot of information in there that is pertinent to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know, right now, you know, when you're riding your bike, it's like, we are face to face with humanity and, you know, we are bearing witness, you know, on a daily basis to these sort of monumental changes that are happening in society. I mean, even as, even as much of, you know, when we talk so much about bike riding and, you know, having places to ride and whatever. I mean, it's a bigger issue about who is allowed to be in public space, mm. who, where, when, how long, who defines those rules. I mean, these are not just bike issues. And um, the bike allows us to access um, these larger issues mm-hmm. and, and kind of have a firsthand experience with them. So, you know, so I, I kick off with um, sort of a, you know, bike's kind of place in my life over the years and sort of tickling memory alive a little bit in that first chapter. And a lot of people who've read the book find that that just drops them down their own incredible rabbit hole of memory. (laughs) Uh, That just some little detail just sort of just like opens up the door for them, um, which is the intention of that chapter. And then from there, you know, we, we kind of move forward of sort of the, 
you know, the, the challenges that I, that I face and, and how I attempt to overcome them and, um, lots of fun or funny and interesting things that happen and, and lots of food for thought, I think, along the way about, Mm -hmm. you know, really unresolved issues, you know, here in our country. Mm -hmm. So the crossroads that we're, we're at in lots of ways. So, and then there's some practical advice at the end of, you know, you know, things that really would make a difference and things that people can do if they want to advocate and get involved, you know, locally, nationally, um, to try to make a difference. So, yeah. And it's a quick read. It's like a, really, it's like a maybe two hour read. So, mm-hmm. um, it's in paperback all over the world and it's also, um, instantly downloadable to the free Kindle app on any device. And the, the website's pretty simple. Same title as the book, uh, yeah, traveling just, at the speed of bike.com traveling at the speed of bike.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And you'll see, um, I did, Oh, you was talking about you go girl. Yeah. Um, series. So with the bike mare thing, I'm intending to um, be shining a light and, and, and telling, you know, positive stories um, as part of the journey. Um, but the other thing was I just ran, um, you know, I'm a street photographer and I just ran a series of street photography that features flags mm. uh, leading up. I started on the first day of early voting here in the state of Georgia and I ended on election day. So and all of those, you know, all of my street photography I take while traveling at the speed of bike. So I think it's fun um, and provocative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the photos are kind of all over the board. So people may enjoy that, especially as we're waiting for this monumental um, right. just, you know, announcement. Right. Well, as far as so hopefully people go to your website because it has so much information about you and about the book and just. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. For, thank you for visiting. And yeah, I do try. I have, the, I have a tab that has bonus resources and there's a whole lot of free stuff there mm-hmm. um, for anyone who's, you know, who's who's interested in, mm-hmm. in bike riding. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff there that could be helpful. Yeah. Well, I think we have been, we've talked about the League of American Bicyclists um, because we're both LCI instructor we're instructors with them, and then of course People for Bikes. You're an ambassador with them. Are there any other organizations that you want to mention? Yeah, I mean, well, I mentioned Georgia Bikes also, and, and um, they are really doing some amazing advocacy work. You know, as, as groups like that in every state probably are doing. Um, so I strongly recommend you know people see what their state advocacy. Uh, group is doing and then mm-hmm. and then city groups like the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition and then there's a whole pile of well the ones that I know of are women-owned mm. um, companies that are giving bike tours um, either locally or um, around the country or, or world and like woman tours um, Jackie Marchand she was one of the 31 um, you go girl women mm-hmm. as was Robin Elliott who um, is the owner of Bicycle Tours of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just, there's another, there's a, a woman, she wasn't one of the people I interviewed, but I did take her tour um, out in Santa Monica. There, there's just a lot of, a lot of women-owned businesses involving um, bikes mm-hmm. that could really use people's support, yeah. you know, right now, especially. Mm-hmm. And bikes are considered, bike shops are considered, uh, considered essential businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely do show some love to your local bike shop however tempting you know ordering online might be um if you're thinking of buying a bike um some bike shops you know have secondhand bikes or you know have um you know more more affordable options you just really give that some consideration because because they're you know 
they are essential and we do need them to be here because if they're not here, we're going to have trouble. (laughs) (laughs) That is for sure. My, my bike, my bike mechanic skills are not that good yet. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And and not to mention um, people who work in bicycle shops can properly fit you. So even if you're looking at a used bike, go into a bike shop and they can help you figure out, you know, what's going to make you most comfortable, no matter what kind of bike you're getting. Exactly. And, and um, they have become, you know, much more um, open and experienced and um, involved with all types of bike riders. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, you know, what's happening with cargo bikes and adult tricycles and the e-bikes, all of that. It's just really opening up. Back to that, um, the League of American Bicyclists, that website it is so good, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and for anyone who, I guess, where you are, you're heading into a very cold winter. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm taking it. Um, it's a great time to go on those videos mm-hmm. and, and learn some of those skills or just kind of see what, you know, what are some of these techniques that can actually be really helpful out there. I mean, that's the fun thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that um, we can eliminate, reduce or eliminate the, the incidence of like something like 98% or 99% of the common crash scenarios. Mm. We can literally eliminate through awareness and education and skills training, like 99% of them. And so for folks who might be a little, you know, oh, I'm too too nervous or too scared to ride bikes, um, that should be some comfort mm-hmm. that you really do have like a lot of control. Now, if someone is impaired or distracted or it's intentional, that's another story. And we, right. we, nothing can really help you with against that. But that is not as common as people think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you really, you really, you really can create a much safer, you know, environment for yourself out there. You have more control than you think. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're waiting for the cities to sort of, you know, um, catch up with the infrastructure. Right. Well, when you look at you specifically, um, what inspires you to get on your bike again and again? <laughs> That's like the last thing I need inspiration for because <laughs> it's it is like you know I'm I'm always just trying to find how can I slip out so I can get on the bike. Right. It's, it's so incredible from the second I get on it. The funny thing about the bike is that. You do two things at the same time. You solve every problem in the world <laughs> and you forget every problem in the world. Yeah, that's like true. at the exact same time, like your brain is doing both of these things. It's just, it's just, you know, it's such a habit that um, I, I don't, as a matter of fact, if I go like two days without riding, I mean, my family gets on my back. Like, please, please <laughs> go, go. Please, please get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the biggest trick for me is I try to replace transportation. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to, I, I use it, especially now during, you know, um, during all of this, I try to group my errands and um, and do as many of them via bike as I can. Mm-hmm. So and you can knock out. I mean, next thing you know, you're you're 12 miles in and you've run three errands. And uh, I mean, it adds up. I think people would be so surprised how many miles, especially if they if you typically drive, you you'd be surprised how many miles you actually drive just running around your little town running mm-hmm. three little errands. You mm-hmm. know, that is so true. So, yeah, yeah. You know, we know it's still COVID time times, but do you have any bike adventures on your horizon? Yeah, I mean, I think the 
for me, these are actually big adventures. As Metro Atlanta Bicycle Mayor, yeah. I am focusing on in the month of November. I'm looking. I'm kind of doing the big Metro Atlanta overview. Then December, I'm focusing on City of Atlanta. And then the next 10 months after that, I'm going alphabetically through the 10 counties. Oh, nice. And I have sort of a editorial plan, you know, that involves the municipal plans, um, focusing on heroes and highlights, uh, telling their stories, shining a light on folks who are already doing the heavy lifting mm -hmm. and, and sort of the underreported stories, the undersung heroes. Uh, unsung heroes. And then um, actually, you know, rubber hits the road, um, developing ride spot um, route, and um, actually, like I said, putting, you know, feet to the fire mm -hmm. about, you know, what is the, you know, it is the reality matching up with the promise. Um, and then providing resources for people, um, and maybe building some um, collaborative bridges, you know, between um, between and among the counties, if I'm seeing things that are replicated or that might benefit from, you know, being connected. Mm -hmm. So, I, so that's I'm pretty. Even though it's it's not that far from home, it's you know, there's a lot of places I haven't been, and right. a lot of you know, a lot of wonderful small cities that you know are doing some exciting, really exciting things. Well, and I think as the Atlanta bicycle mayor, you're going to be inspiring a lot of people without even knowing it, because you're just going to be, you're a voice, you're going to start talking to people and people will see you. And I think that you probably won't even know all the stories, you know, that happen after you leave a community where people are like, I'm going to do more of that or whatever. I, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, that would be, be that would be best case scenario, you know, and I do think there's so many people like you mentioned those groups. Um, there's so many people doing such incredible heavy lifting. Mm. Um, what I think is does get lost um, is joy um, and the simple, simple joy of riding a bike. Mm -hmm. And I'm really in everything I'm doing, no matter how, you know, not at all discounting the heaviness and 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 how hard so much of what we're trying to do is. Um, but I'm I'm going to try to keep joy front and center mm. um, and keep that because you know uh, uh, that's the thing is that you know the the joy is what keeps us coming back to this. Yeah. You know that's that's the thing and the idea you know they say you feel like a kid again but the problem of course is you know, kids, kids are really just, they're not riding. And if you're, if you don't ride your bike when you're a kid, you can't feel like a kid again when you ride your bike for the entire rest of your life. Right. I do want to find the positive stories and shine light on that. Yeah, well, I know I'll be somebody that's watching from afar to see how you bring joy to people as they get on their bike and go out and feel safe and try new things. I'm, I'm pretty excited for you. Oh, thank, well, how, what happens with with where you are? Do do you put the studs on your tires now? Or I uh, transition to um, I have a gravel bike and a fat tire bike. So um, as long as there's no ice, I still bike all year round. Oh, that's um, right. You know, definitely don't go as far, even when it's like 25 degrees out. You know, you as long as you have the right gear, you can still right. enjoy a bicycle ride. Um, right. And you know. It still brings me a tiny bit of joy when I jump on the trainer in the living room, but not as, yeah, much, as, not not as much as being outside. <laughs> well, for yeah. sure, we need to make sure people go and check out your website, which is pretty simple, travelingatthespeedofbike.com. 
Well, Patty, I appreciate you, you coming on the podcast, and I really enjoyed getting to talk to you. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. This was really wonderful, and yeah. I love knowing that you're you're out there, you know, doing all these great things and trying to teach people and reach people and spread the love and joy as well. Yeah. So um, it makes me just feel much more connected across this country at a time when we re- we really all need that. Yes, so. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. You bet. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks, Patty, for taking the time to talk about your journey. Be sure to look up her website at travelingatthespeedofbike.com. In addition to her info on her book, you can find her blog, photos, and she has tons of resources to check out. Of course, if you have a topic or name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. Please visit my Instagram page for daily entertainment and check out Morphology YouTube page to find videos of some of the places I go on my bike. I'll leave you with a simple quote from the unwritten book of Morphology, and this quote comes from today's guest, Patty Baker. Trust the journey. Think about it. 